May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's where you want to answer. Good morning. What a day. What a day. It's above single digits. That's not all bad. But more importantly, you know, this is uh, the first day of the rest of our lives. It's the first day of the rest of our lives. It's the first day of the week. And we gather as Christians to celebrate the resurrection. This is a little Easter. So it's the first day of the week, but it's the first day of the rest of our lives. What a joy. If you don't know me, I'm Peter Beckwith. I'm the senior assisting bishop in the Anglican Diocese of the Great Lakes. I uh, like to make that point with my good friend Bishop Ames because I was his assisting bishop when he was the diocesan, but now he's an assisting bishop but he's junior to me because I've got him by a couple of years in that position. And I can't believe this, but uh, the end of next month, I will have been consecrated a bishop for 26 years. Wow. Um, I, that just amazes me. What a blessing. What a, what a wonderful opportunity. Uh, the great opportunity is to be with you this morning to share as a Christian community in the sacramental body and blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and in that sacrament, you see, as our physical bodies are fed by the basic foodstuffs of bread and wine, and so our spiritual bodies are, are fed by the sacramental body and blood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> How significant is that? I can hardly get my arms around it. What, what a joy. A long time ago, we were, um, I was the rector of St. John's Worthington, Ohio, and we had a priest come and lead a um, retreat for the parish and he said if we understood the nature of the Eucharist we would walk on our knees to Toledo to get it now you know that hit me really kind of significantly because if you're familiar with the terrain you would know there's really no other reason to go to Toledo. <laughs> uh, I'm a native of Michigan. Hold your booze. Um, and I'm told this is a this is a mis this is a misinterpretation of history. We have a history teacher here. We want to be careful about that. Uh, in 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 the mid 1800s, there was almost a war between Michigan and Ohio. Um, 
And in Michigan, we say, we won, and that's why Ohio, Ohio had to take Toledo. <laughs> Actually, it's just the opposite. The, the concern was that Michigan would have a port, would have the port in Toledo. But instead, the compromise was Michigan got the Upper Peninsula. And I think that turned out pretty well. That was a pretty good, pretty, never mind. <clears throat> um, our propers today talk in terms of the call of Simon Peter, Andrew, and James and John. Now that's one of the few times you hear James mentioned in Scripture before John. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. But they're being called to God's specific work to share the good news and to become apostles of the church. And I think we as the church today have to be very careful because we can read that and we say, well, that's about them. Not about me. It's about them. I mean, who am I? And that'd be the furthest thing from the, from the truth. You see, we all have a little Moses in us. Uh, remember uh, when in the burning bush, God calls him to go back to Egypt where he had escaped, where he was wanted for murder, to be an instrument to free the people of Israel. And what do you say? <laughs> I can't do that. I, I, I have a speech impediment. I, I'm not articulate. I can't do it. And that rings true to me. I don't know if it rings true for you or not. It might. Uh, when I was in college and fixing to graduate, I applied to seminary because I had felt called since I was maybe 10 or 11 years old. Really, really as a result of the wonderful faith my parents had and the milieu in which I was reared. I felt that strong calling, so I applied to seminary. But those years in college had taken their toll, and I'm thinking, I can't do that. I, I, you know, I think it's just me thinking that. I don't think God's calling me. What, what could I do? And so I also applied to the Michigan State Police. I thought, now there's something I could do. It's, in retrospect, appears to me to be so much easier than being a priest. And certainly a whole lot easier than being a bishop. And as fate would have it, about two weeks later, I got a letter from the Michigan State Police saying they wouldn't accept me because I didn't have military service at the time and they didn't want to train you and then have you drafted and off you go and maybe never come back. 
And they didn't even spell my name right. And I'm thinking, okay, well, now what do I do? I don't know. And two days later, I got a letter from seminary that said, you're accepted. I'm going, what? And so I went to seminary. And each period, I mean, you know, first exams, in, in, uh, you, you go two weeks early and take a crash course in Greek. And the thing I learned there more than anything else is when they say, it's Greek to me, I know exactly what they're talking about. A crash course, two weeks, and you take an exam, and I'm thinking, you know, at any stage, I'm going to wash out of this thing, as this is tough. But I didn't wash out. I can remember um, when you're fixing to graduate after three years, you have comprehensive exams. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, this, ed- this is going to be a good education for a layperson to go through seminary and then wash out and then, you know, be a responsible layperson. That's, that's where the real work takes place. Count all the lay people and count all the clergy. It's the lay people that really do the work in the world. And clergy's job, their main job, is to support you in your work, in your calling. And I'm thinking, I got some good advice. They said, you know, when you go in, you got all the professors sitting around this table, and you're in the hot seat, and they ask you questions. If you don't know the answer, say you don't know the answer and get to a topic that you know something about and you can talk intelligently about it. And so I go in there and I sit down and the first three professors ask me a question. I've got no idea. And that's what I said. And then they asked me a question. And then it kind of flowed. And and I come out and here's the system. Your professor, your uh, faculty advisor comes out and says to you, You passed or step into my office. My faculty advisor was Fitzsimmons Allison, a terrific guy, professor of history, church history, former bishop of South Carolina. Wonderful guy, still alive, still doing work for the Lord, well into his 90s. He comes out and he says, Beckwith, come into my office. I said, no way. Tell me here. He said, what's the problem? You passed. He's a jokester, if you know him. When he first met Melinda, whom I was dating at the time, um, she was on campus, and the following Monday, he said to me, hey, it was really nice to meet Melinda. And I apologize, you don't get a chance to meet her because she's really the best part of this act. Um, She's sick. Um, And she's home and she sends her regrets. And I feel badly for you that you don't have a chance to interface with her today. But he said to me, uh, Dr. Allison said, um, gee, it was great meeting Melinda, but I'm really sorry to hear about her. I said, what what do you mean? He said, well, she's a little slow, isn't she? 
I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, she's with you. <laughs> Shouldn't tell you that because next time you see her, you'll understand exactly what Bishop Allison was suggesting low those 50 plus years ago. See, here's the reality, folks. Read the collect. Read what we are asking corporately God to do to us, with us, and for us. Grant that we may answer readily the call your son Jesus Christ is giving each one of us. Have, 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 you, have you been thinking about that this past week? If you're like me, uh, only if you were preparing a sermon on it, you'd be thinking about it. I, I don't think about that. But that's the truth. See, God calls each one of us. He's calling us. Uh, my problem is, and perhaps your problem is, I don't always hear that call. It's not always clear to me. Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, I have been blessed yesterday afternoon, last night, and this morning to be with you. We had what I thought was really helpful session about the liturgy yesterday afternoon with the folks who showed up. I learned a lot. And to engage with folks that God had called to that presence to do something that's really important, way down deep for all of us, to look at what it means to worship God. And then last night having dinner and then going over to Father Sean and um, Leah's house and stayed way too late. Um, it, what a joy. What a joy. And then this morning, you people, in my view, in my experience over the last, going on 24 hours, you are so blessed. You are so blessed to have Father Sean and each other in this faith community to which God has called you. Do you think in that term? Do you understand that? God has called you to this moment. You're here because of the Holy Spirit. You came this morning because of the Holy Spirit. Now you may think that you're here because Mama said, we're going to church. But that's the Holy Spirit working through Mama to train us up in the right way. That's the call. Now, the question is this, and I want you to pray about it today and the rest of your lives. What's God calling to you? What's God calling you to now? What's he want of you now? Well, right now, just to participate in this worship so that we will be strengthened to go out in the world and witness in important ways to who he is, to who we are, and to whom we belong.
Now, before you get bent out of shape, like I might, in my elderly years as a deacon, priest, and bishop, I think in terms of the things where I've really dropped the ball. I haven't been all that effective in some ways. I, I'm aware that people who like me, and isn't it interesting, <clears throat> all my friends like me. I don't have any friends that don't like me. And that's not good. I should befriend everybody if they like me or not. But I became aware early on in my ministry that people who liked me thought I was a pretty good preacher. And the people who didn't like me didn't think I could preach at all. Isn't that funny how that works? And I didn't, I didn't do the kinds of things I should have done in relationship to those folks so that our relationship would be redeeming for both of us rather than this. See, that's the kind of stuff we're called to. Now, before you go, oh, geez, the poor guy, or poor you because you have those same experiences, understand this. God uses all of it. One of my favorite portions of Scripture is when Joseph is in Egypt having been sold into slavery um, because his oldest brother convinced his other brothers not to kill him but to sell him into slavery and he goes, you know the story, he goes down, he's earns favor with the Pharaoh after some trouble and um, he is in a very high ranking place and there's a huge famine in uh, the Holy Lands and so the Jews go to Egypt they end up in Egypt um, they go down to get grain and that grain is available because of the of God working through Joseph and what does he say to his brothers? You've got to go get your father and bring him down. And then there's that whole kind of thing that the interaction, they give him the grain, he hides a cup in there, they catch him, bring him back for stealing the precious cup. And they figure out finally who he is. And the brothers are devastated. They're devastated at their sin. But what did Joseph say to them? You meant it for evil, but God used it for good. Isn't that great? If you don't believe that, look at the cross. The cross is the sign of agonizing death. And in Jesus Christ, God takes it and makes it the sign of life. You want to talk about a miracle? Let's talk about that. So God is calling us, you see, 
as Christians to be little Christs in the world, to carry that light to the nations. Our opening sentence is taken from the prophet, and the reference is God to Israel. Israel is going to be the light to the nations. But the light of Christ is the light of the nation. He's our light. He's the light of the world. And we should be reflecting that. We should be little mirrors reflecting that in every dark corner of our lives and the lives of the people around us. So that they see us and in the best sense say, wow, that's inspirational. Not because of my competence, but because of my commitment. Not because of my comp, my confident, my. Not because I'm competent. It's because of my character. And my character, you see, has been taken over by Christ. If I showed or not. And I get called up short when I'm not showing it. Whoa. You know, take the shades off. Let that, shine, let that light shine. Uh, we've been talking about baptism uh, yesterday, last night, this morning in a, in a, a little gathering. Um, and Mark answered quite right when the question was asked, uh, how's that work? You know, how, how do you, a human being is baptized and they become a child of God, a member of Christ, inheritor of the kingdom of heaven. How, how does that work? He said, I don't know. And I got to tell you, I don't know. I just know God does it. And you see the outward and visible sign, the symbolism, washing away of sin if water's poured over the, the candidate for baptism. Or immersion is better. You die to self. You're buried in the waters of baptism, as Scripture says. And then you're resurrected to new life in Christ. And the teaching, the teaching is this. Um, if you're born once, you die twice. I'm born physically, I'm going to die physically, I'm going to die spiritually. If I'm born twice, physically and spiritually in baptism, I'm only going to die once. I'm only going to die physically. That's important. Uh, one of the significant things that happens in baptism is at the conclusion, the person doing the baptism says to the baptized, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. I think there's a great story about that. It was a real hot summer day before air conditioning in cars in downtown, in downtown um, Cleveland. And this guy belonged to a Christian community and he had a 
he had a bumper sticker that said, if you love Jesus, honk. And he's sitting at the light and a guy pulls up behind him and starts honking. And the guy hollers out the window to the guy what he could do with his horn. And the guy who'd been doing the horn honking said, but your sign. And the, the guy who's getting honked at and honked off goes, my sign. Oh my goodness, I forgot my sign. And see, that's my problem. Oh, too often I forget my sign. I'm marked as Christ's own forever. I need to remember that. I need to remember that sign. Anybody here remember a time they weren't a Christian? I don't, I don't, I don't mean a lapse in remembering our sign. I mean before you were baptized. Any, any, anybody baptized as an adult? Or a teenager? Okay, okay. Um, I was baptized, and I would, I would commend to you that you should know the date of your baptism so you can celebrate it, just like you do your birthday. I was baptized on the 31st of March, 1940. Uh, I was just a bit over um, six months old. I'd have been a sickly child, I guess, they tell me. And um, so it was six months later I was baptized. I don't remember a time I wasn't a Christian. Everybody raised their hand. They remember a time they weren't a Christian. One of the great joys of being the rector of St. Matthew's Church in Saginaw, Michigan was the, the women did town hall and they'd have guest speakers come, all kinds of people. Edward R. Murrow, if you're old enough to know the name. Uh, Bud Guest. Um, uh, Admiral Zumwalt. I'm Navy, so yeah, that was great. But Art Linkletter came, and he was one of the better speakers. And he was telling about his own life. <clears throat> he grew up in Canada. He was an orphan. And 11 years old, his parents came and picked him out. He remembers a time when he wasn't a link letter. And what a blessing it was for him to become a link letter, to be loved by these people, and to be then formed by them and their great characters. I don't ever remember a time I wasn't a Beckwith. Now the question is this, which is better? One isn't better than the other, I don't think. I think they're both valuable for what they are. It's a blessing to never have known a time I wasn't a Beckwith and being cared for and guided and reared by loving parents. But he remembers the time he wasn't a link letter and how his life changed for the good because of the adoption. So we can rejoice in that ourselves no matter what our situation is. You people who remember a time you weren't baptized and, and a Christian and now you're a Christian, God bless you. Must be a wonderful thing. And we who don't remember a time we weren't Christian, that's a wonderful thing too. God is calling us every minute of every day 
And what I have to do is be very attuned to hearing the call. What does God want out of me specifically? Now, he may very well be saying, hey, you need to go out in the mission field. Or he may simply be saying, uh, look around you. Identify those who appear to be hurting and be a balm for them. Be a comfort for them. We call the Holy Spirit the comforter. Not so that we're going to feel good. The root word for comfort is strength. So the comforter strengthens us. And that's what we're to do for each other. Starting right here. But then in every relationship you have. That's what God, I believe, is calling us all to do. All to be. You see, when it really boils down to it, it's not about how competent we are. It's about what our character is. And now, as a Christian, my character is best identified with the person of Jesus Christ himself. And that's the witness I'm to give. And if I'm really good at it, even the bad stuff becomes a positive. May God continue to bless you and your lives to the very end of this earthly life when we will see through the veil clearly when it can be so confusing now. Now unto God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit be ascribed as is most justly due. Almight, power, majesty, dominion, and glory, now and forever. Amen.